Good morning. Merry Christmas. There were two responses there. I'm just kidding. We are uh, excited that you're here this morning. We are starting a brand new series uh, entitled uh, The Light of the World. And this morning's message is uh, about uh, how Christmas is about light. And uh, I would like to focus uh, for the next three weeks uh, as we always do on the message and the meaning of Christmas. And so the passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at uh, this morning, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and take them out and turn to uh, Isaiah chapter 9. And uh, Isaiah wrote uh, a lot about the coming uh, of the Messiah. And so in chapter 7, he uh, prophesied the uh, virgin birth in verse 14. Therefore, the Lord uh, himself will give uh, you a sign. And behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name uh, Emmanuel. And so the message of uh, Isaiah is that of the coming Messiah and the fact that that's going to change uh, everything. And so it's going to change the past, the present, and the future because this Messiah will be God with us. He'll bear our burdens. He'll take away our sins. And so we're going to begin this morning by looking at this passage, Isaiah 9. We're going to focus in on verse 6, but I'm going to read the first six verses for you this morning. It says this, Nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The, the land of uh, Zebulun and Natali uh, will be humbled, and there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. And the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in, in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And you will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. And they will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest like warriors dividing the plunder. And for you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden uh, from their shoulders. And you will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian and the boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. And they will be fuel for the flyer. Fire for a child is born to us, a son uh, is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father uh, and Prince of Peace. And so Christmas is uh, about this light that uh, is in our world and and... In our world, we know that, that the darkness uh, manifests itself in, in different uh, ways, right? We know that um, we, we see the, the murder of innocent people, the abuse of power, corruption in, in high places, and, and we see even the willful intentional spreading of, uh, of lies and misinformation to gullible people, and I could go on and on, and you know uh, what the darkness looks like. Well, we know what we face, and so I'm just going to stop right there. Uh, we know it exists. We, we have seen it at work, and, and there are also many uh, who, especially this time of year, struggle with uh, the darkness in 
a, a personal way, right? And, and, and because I know there are people that, that feel that, that they're losing the battle uh, of sin and confusion and despair and, and people come up to me and, and they talk about the fact that they just can't see anything getting better anytime soon. And they're people that are talented, they're intelligent, they have family, and yet their life is just filled with darkness. And I realize that that might be an extreme example, but I frequently encounter uh, that kind of discouragement in the hearts of people. And the curse of the fall is that sometimes we find ourselves struggling through this life with darkness all around us. And, and sometimes it's global and sometimes it's individually. But I want you to know the message of Isaiah, the message of Christmas is that Jesus, the Messiah, came to uh, reverse all of that. He came to bring light in, into our darkened world. And maybe you're here and maybe you experience more darkness than light in your life. I want you to know that it doesn't have to be that way forever. The prophet Isaiah has something to specifically say for you for your benefit. He says, nevertheless, that that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in in the land of deep darkness, the light will shine. And that light is Jesus. He is, as the Gospel of John tells us in Chapter 1, verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone. And so today we're going to talk about three ways we can experience the light of Christ in our lives. Three points of light that gives us a meaning and direction and purpose and, and focus. And so go ahead and take your note sheets out of your program. You can follow along with me uh, as we uh, walk through this this morning. And, and what we want to do, if what... Uh, if this is what you need, is to move out of the darkness and in uh, to the light as 1 Peter 2.9 uh, encourages us to do. And so the first way that we can experience the light uh, of Christ is that the light marks the destination. Uh, when, when I was a youth guy uh, way back uh, a million years ago, um, we had this uh, junior high camp at Camp Wooten. Camp Wooten is, is down in southern Washington. It's, it's by Dayton. Anybody know where Dayton is? Yeah, a few of you know where Dayton is. Um, had this camp down there, and one of the things that we would do was we would um, take the, the, the kids one night, and we'd hike to the top of this mountain. And on this mountain, there was a cross at, at, at the top, and, and we would march, you know, 180 junior hires up the side of this hill, and by the time we got there, um, there would the moon would be out and the stars would provide this just minimal amount of light. And the light would be the backdrop for the cross, and it was just a pretty cool time. And and there may be times in your life where there's not a lot of light around you, but but there is this background of light as we are Christ followers. And it is that light that keeps us moving in the right direction. It's the light uh, of the cross of Christ. Isaiah 9, 6, For this child is born to us, a son is given to us, a government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. What Isaiah is doing here is he's using this 
Hebrew literary tool of repetition to emphasize the point that this child is born, a son is given. And at the same time, we recognize the hand of the Holy Spirit in the specific wording of this. And it's interesting. It's an awesome prophecy of the birth of the Messiah. And it reminds Israel that the victory-bringing Messiah would be this man, right? Now, theoretically, the Messiah could have been an angel or the Messiah could have been God without humanity. But in reality, neither of those options would have qualified the Messiah to be our Savior, our High Priest, as Jesus was, right? And so this child had to be born. And it was an amazing mystery. And there's nothing more uh, helpless and more dependent than a child. And theoretically, the Messiah could have come as a fully grown man, created as an adult, even like Adam was created. But for Jesus to fully identify with humanity and to display his life as the servant nature that is in God, he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men, Philippians 2 tells us. And so unto us a son is given. And this child would be a man, but he would be more than that. He would also be the eternal Son of God, the second person of the Godhead. And theoretically, the Messiah probably didn't have to be God. It could have been a sinless angel or merely a perfect man like Adam before the fall. But in reality, neither of those options would have qualified the Messiah to be our Savior and our High Priest as Jesus was. And so what a magnificent truth we have here. We needed this perfect, um, infinite being, man, to be uh, the atonement for our sins. And we needed Emmanuel. God is with us. And so the child could be born. um, And Jesus was born and we had this starting point. And the son was to be given. And because the second person of the Trinity is eternal and existed forever as the Son, uh, even before adding humanity to his deity. And while Isaiah may have intended the repetition merely for the sake of emphasis, we rejoice today in in the Holy Spirit's guidance in in every word that, that we read. And so here, Jesus, the Messiah, fully God and fully man. Um, and, And that's an amazing thing. Uh, that Jesus, both God and man, tells us that we really are made in the image of God. And that perfect humanity is more compatible with deity than we could imagine. And it says that, that our problem is, is really not our humanity, but our fallenness. The fact that we are fallen. And, and if Jesus were not fully man, he could not stand in the place of sinful man and be the substitute for the punishment that man deserves. And if he were not fully God, his sacrifice would be insufficient. And if Jesus not fully God and fully man, then we are lost in our sin. And then it says that the government will be upon his shoulder. And ultimately, this will be fulfilled in the millennium when Christ will rule the earth as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And this ultimate fulfillment of this promise is still waiting 
but we can see the government upon his shoulders in many ways. And, and the Christian author Gail Irwin writes about the government that God promises, both ultimately and right now. And, and, and he says this. He says, what might such a government look like? First of all, it would look like it's king. And, and he, he goes on to write, and he says, politicians of this day look for what they can get from you, and Jesus looks for what he can do for you. Leaders of this day surround themselves with servants, and Jesus surrounds us with his servanthood. And leaders of this day trade their influence for money, but God so loved that he gave. And leaders of this day are desperate to be seen and heard, and Jesus sought, sought anonymity so he could be useful. And, and obviously, Jesus is not in charge of the halls of Washington, Mas- Moscow, or Baghdad. And so how can we ever believe that the government will be upon his shoulders? And actually, his government shows its workings in wonderful ways. Whenever I see someone who miraculously leaves a life of drugs or alcohol and is restored to his family, I see that he is now governed by God. And whenever we see loving Christians gently caring for orphans and and those that are rejected by family, I know I'm watching people governed by God. And whenever I see people eagerly learning the Bible and praising him, I know who the governor is. And so indeed, the government is alive and working, often silently and mostly unseen. And we can be uh, governed by God. And hope and joy and peace and, and rest cover us. And justice and mercy and grace amazingly coexist. And so his name will be called. And it's the idea that these aren't literal names of the Messiah. Instead, these are aspects of his character, and they describe who he is and what he came to do. And so the Messiah is wonderful, and the glory of who he is and what he has done for us should fill us with wonder. And we should never uh, look at Jesus and be bored, right? He, he is wonderful, And our hearts should be filled with amazement. And the Messiah is our counselor. Uh, As believers, our immediate resource uh, should be Jesus because he can help us with our problems. And he may use the presence and the words of other Christians to do it, but Jesus is our counselor. And then the Messiah is mighty God, uh, the God of all creation and glory, the Lord who reigns in heaven. The one that is worthy of our worship and our praise. And the Messiah is everlasting Father. And the idea in these words is that Jesus is the source of all eternity. And then the Messiah is the Prince of Peace. He is the one who makes peace, especially between God and man. And all that to say that there are times in life when you and I will say, Lord, I don't understand what's going on. But that at the same time, we know that even though we can't see it all the time, we know where we're going, we know where where we want to be, that God will keep us moving in the right direction. And we know the Messiah, the the child, the everlasting Father will will not move. He always will be there. And what we have to do is, is keep moving in His direction. And in those moments, the light will be enough because of who He is. And the second type of light that Christ brings into our lives is is the light that you need at every turn. And 
a few years ago, uh, Pastor Matt, Pastor Barry, and I went on a road trip to Louisville, Kentucky, and we drove all the way from Spokane to Louisville nonstop. And um, that's because I won't get on a plane, and they graciously wanted to go with me, so we went. And um, uh, we were going to this conference, and, and I remember that uh, both Pastor Matt, Pastor Barry drove at night. They said, you're too old, we'll drive at night. And so they did. And, and mostly we were like in the middle of, of nowhere, right? Somewhere in South Dakota or, or wherever we were. We're on these little two-lane roads in the middle of the night. There was no light. It was very dark. And most of the time you could only see a couple of hundred feet in front of you or whatever your headlights would allow you to see. And I remember thinking we probably had traveled over that night hundreds of miles, 200 feet at a time. And in the same way, I thought, you know what, there have been times in my own spiritual walk where I couldn't see much more of the reality of today, and I didn't really even have an idea of what might happen next. I couldn't see around the corner, but I could see today, and I knew what I needed for today, and guess what, that was enough. And there would be times when the only light you have is just enough to get you around the next turn. And it's in those moments that you'll discover all the light that you have is all the light that you need. And where do you get that light? Well, it comes from our time in the Word. King David wrote, Psalms 119, 105, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And the psalmist, as he wrote that, felt like as he walked the road of life, the Word of God made his steps clear. And he would not know where to step without the guidance of God's word. And so I began to think, well, how should we walk as believers, as, as Christians? Well, we know we are to walk worthy of the high calling in Ephesians 4.1. We know we're to walk uprightly, Isaiah 57. We know we're to walk in the light, 1 John 1.7. And we know we're to walk humbly in Micah 6.8. None of those are possible without the word of God lighting our way. And so it is a light into our path. And the word not only showed him where his feet stepped, but also the path that he should follow. And so it showed him the next few steps to take. My point is for us today, Jesus speaks to us through his word. And as we spend time in his presence each day, the word gives us the light that we need for each and every day. And I know there will be times when I'm going to say, Lord, I don't know what, what, what your long-term plans are. And maybe you're here today and you're thinking, man, I don't know, God, what your long-term plans for my career are, but I do know that today you want me to work hard and with excellence and, and to work as unto you and, and not unto men. I do know that. There'll be times when, when you and I will say, Lord, I, I, I don't know where you, you're, you're going to work in my life. I don't know how you're going to work the problems in, in, in my family. I don't know how you're going to work the problems in my marriage out. But I do know you want me to forgive as I've been forgiven. right? I do know you want me to be a peacemaker. And there will be times when you can't see around the corner, but you'll have enough light on the road in front of you. And it is in those moments that that light will be enough. 
It is in those moments that it is important to spend time in the Word of God and with Christ each and every day. There's a third type of light that Christ brings into our life, and that's the light of a sunshiny day. Do you know where the bluest skies are? Brazil. So 2006, the UK National Physical Laboratory, using a special portable spectrometer, determined that the skies in Rio de Janeiro are bluer and brighter than anywhere else in the world. That, that means if you're in another city like Spokane or Seattle or L.A. or New York or, or London, all things being equal, the skies in Rio will be a little bit brighter, a little bit bluer. Here's my point. Do you know where the bluest skies of life can be found? In the presence of Jesus. The life spent following Christ. We have... Skies that are bluer than any other kind of life that you could choose to live. And I know that, that it's not that it never rains in the Christian life. It does. Right after 43 years of being a Christ follower, I can say with certainty, though, that there's far more sunshine than rain. Right? There's far more blue skies than dark days. I, I, and I know that following Christ isn't like the extended church picnic without ants. I get it. Right? Life is full of challenges. However, when you follow Christ, you will discover that there are more sunny days than you can count. And even the days that might be considered dark days, there are always rays of light breaking through the clouds. Because as we follow Christ, we don't lack for light. Jesus said in John eight twelve, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And Jesus says that we'll have a life of joy and peace as we walk in his light. And his light and his presence makes the light of your life brighter. Matthew described the first days of Jesus' public ministry, quoted from the Greek version of our text in Isaiah saying in Matthew 4.16, the people who sat in, in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light has shined. We live in a place where death cast its shadow. Not, not only physical death, but the death of hope, the, the death of our plans for the future. And I realize this morning for some it's more real than, than for others, but the reality is, is that a light comes into our world and his name is Jesus. When the book of Revelation talks about eternity, the new heavens, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem, God said through the apostle John in Revelation 21, 23, and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives its light and its lamp is the lamp. You know what? As believers, we have no need for an artificial life or manufactured happiness because the glory of God illuminates our lives and the Lamb of God, Jesus, is our light. And even in our most difficult days when we feel like life is, is falling apart, the light of Christ directs us. He is the lamp to our feet and the light unto our path.
And he will guide us and make our paths straight. And it's because Jesus is the light of the world. And his glory illuminates every aspect of our existence. The prophet Isaiah promised the Messiah would shine a light into the darkness. And that's exactly what Jesus was born to do. And so my prayer this Christmas season is that we would make a day-by-day habit to look to the light and to move in the direction of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for uh, your word today. God, my prayer is as we celebrate the birth of Christ this Christmas season, God, that we would understand and live in the light of Christ. And maybe you're here today and, and maybe you need to give your heart and life to Christ. I want to invite you to do that today. Just ask him to come into your heart and life. Tell him that you are a sinner and you ask for forgiveness. And the word is clear that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus was risen from the dead, we shall be saved. God, thank you for sending your son. And Father, I pray that this Christmas we would focus on you and you alone. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.